right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up Podcast. DJ Pihowski here, substitute teaching for Solly with my associate, Tron Carter. Uh, we have an invigorating guest today. I don't think that's overselling it. Uh, we're going to get to him shortly. But before we do, I want to give a shout out to our friends at Original Penguin. Original Penguin has been a sponsor of ours for a while now, since Tour Sauce Season 5 in the Carolinas. And they are also a very prominent sponsor, you may have noticed, of Cameron Smith. Uh, you probably saw their logo all over Cam when he was winning the Zurich Classic recently with Mark Leishman. We got to spend a day with Cam down at Streamsong recently, a few weeks ago. Uh, we got to check out the original Penguin Spring 2021 collection, which I think truly, you know, had something for all of us. We all have very, very different styles, as I'm sure you know. Uh, and uh, yeah, it had, had something for everybody. And we, we also got to see whether Cam would shave his mustache for the ad shoot, which, you know, heartbreakingly uh, he did. But that appears to be coming back in force. Uh, Original Penguin also helped us shoot a Wild World of Golf with Cam uh, at Streamsong Blue, which will be airing very, very soon. Stay tuned for the release dates on that. I may even uh, sneak out of the booth for that one. We'll, we'll have to see. One thing I can tell you is that, like most days, we were definitely wearing our Original Penguin clothes, which you can as well by going to originalpenguin.com golf. And just for fun, you know, you're also going to get free shipping by using the promo code NLU ship on your order. Thank you to Original Penguin for the support. And now on to today's episode. All right, DJ, who are we talking to today? We're talking to Marcus Armitage, young English player, not as young as as we thought. He's 33, but he's uh, a truly, truly a top bloke. I greatly enjoyed this conversation. He's been someone who was on our radar since you and I went to a hoopy match club and uh, one of my, uh, one of our caddies, Bradley, was just beating me up the whole time we were there. He's like, you like, I, lo- I love the pod, love what you guys are doing. It's a shame you have not had Marcus Armitage on yet. I was like, candidly, Bradley, I've never even heard of Marcus Armitage. What are you talking about? He's like, you got to pull up his Instagram. He has one of the best accents in the game of golf. He's got an amazing story. You got, I don't know how you've missed this. You got to go talk to him. And uh, I think all that was very vindicated and validated today. Spot on. Yeah, he's uh, the bullet. Uh, <laughs> the bullet's back. I think we spent the entire drive home from a hoopy, you know, three or four hours on his Instagram page, just watching the watching the clips over and over and over again. They're they're as good as it gets. Marcus Armitage Golf is is his Instagram if you're if you're looking for it. But uh yeah, just an, an absolute thrill. It was great to I mean, uh, you know, we don't have to delay this any further, but just a very substantive uh story as well. You know, he he comes across as just a very jovial uh kind of guy on on instagram he's very funny and very personable but also has been through a hell of a lot in uh not a lot of time as well so it's it's cool to hear him tell the story he'll be an easy guy to root for over the next couple of years and and based on his ascent right now it's he's he's cracked the top 200 in the world and he's he you know it seems like the sky's the limit over the next few years so, so without, without further, further ado. without further ado god we're all over each other <laughs> without further ado all right here's marcus armitage marcus welcome to the podcast how are you today man yeah, yeah, I'm very good. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, just getting ready to go back out on tour. Where, uh, where are we catching you today? I am, I'm, I'm in England. I'm uh, in just next to my hometown, uh, Huddersfield. So not far from Manchester, England. Yeah. I feel like you know this is probably an obvious first question, but uh, 
I looked, I read a ton of stuff about you, and I can't figure out where the bullet nickname comes from. So can we just start there? All right, yeah. I mean, um, that's that's pretty it's a pretty boring story, really. I mean, uh, I basically when I first got on tour, my mate said to me, "Oh, with my personality, I could do with um, I could do with a nickname." And you know, I've got I've got a few bulldogs, and and at the time, I were like, "I'll just call him the bulldog." And he's like, "You can't just pick a name like that. You're madhead." So anyway, I tried pushing the bulldog, like trying to be called the bulldog, and I ordered a club glove, you know, from from uh, from your side, you know, from the states. And they said, "Oh, do you want anything embroidering on it?" So anyway, it come through. Um, I said, "Oh, I'll have the bulldog put on the side so I can see it when it comes off the off the carousel." Anyway, it come through. I did a Snapchat video. I'm like, "Oh yeah, my club glove's here." You know, I'm buzzing. Opened it up, and it said. You know, it said the bullet. So I went, I mean, I just, my reaction to it was, the fucking bullet. Like, like and I mean, obviously, you had to bleep that out, but I was like, I sent it to all my mates, and uh, and then all of a sudden, I ran on tour, and it was bullet this, bullet that, and uh, yeah, so like, that's how, yeah, it's thanks to Club Glove, really, for that, for that nickname. Well, somebody introduced us to you, your uh, Instagram account, when you did the... Um, in the, the uh, Joburg Open, Open, absolutely loving life. <laughs> Is it, one of my favorite Instagrams of the past year, I think, was you at when you're arriving at Joburg, you're absolutely loving life, I, I think, walking All down right. the fairway. I mean, it's just... That was, I think, how Tron and I got, got connected with your story and started reading more about you and... Uh, so yeah, I don't I don't know if I don't know where we want to start. I mean, I, I know uh, you know why don't we go with your backstory a little bit? Where did you grow up? Where did you you start playing the game? Let's let's kind of start there. Yeah, I mean, I I started I started. We lived on a farm uh, as a kid. Uh, it wasn't a working farm. It was just a just a normal like just just a derelict farm really that, that we just you know, you know my mum and dad did up. Uh, I used to like ride the quad bike around and you know just be a little terror and. Um, and yeah, and, and what, I watched the 1999 USPGA, you know, with Sergio and Tiger going down the stretch. And I was like, I was just hooked. I was like, oh, this is awesome. You know, like watching the crowds and just watching how they were playing golf. And my dad had a set of golf clubs that um, he, used to, he, he used to be in the carpet business, you know, uh, flooring. And somebody hadn't paid him any money. So he went around to their house and took the golf clubs off them and said, when you give me... The money you can have your golf clubs back. So anyway, the guy never come with the money. So we dad had these golf clubs. I picked one up and I didn't. I never read a book or anything. Just I watched it on the telly. I went out into the field and I, and I got like a six or seven iron, and I just hit the first ball and it just went arrow straight. And I'm like, this is unbelievable. Like, and then I started chopping it everywhere. You know, like I never missed a ball, but I just chopped it everywhere. But yeah, I just hooked, you know, I would just straight away was whacking it around the fields, finding it. And yeah, I mean, and then my mum ended up, my mum got cancer at that point for the second time in her life. And, and you know, my dad was obviously looking after my mum. I had a close friend that took me to the golf club every day and I, I lost my mum at the age 13. And the only place I could focus at school, I'm useless for school, do you know what I mean? Like I, I, didn't, I didn't do any good at school. And my dad just found that, if he took me to the golf club, it was my coping mechanism uh, to get through life. So, yeah, I just ended up going to the golf club from eight o'clock in the morning till six o'clock at night, practicing. And then me and my dad would do the deliveries with all this flooring stuff. 
at night time and then we'd go home and they'd do the exact same the next day, the next day, the next day. And, and yeah, we just, just, uh, and it got me through, you know, it got me through losing my mum. Man, so I think we obviously had that in our, our notes to talk to you about, but, you know, we can we can kind of start there maybe. I think you, you look like a, a young guy, you know, but you're, you're the same age as us, about 33, right, I think? And, and so yeah. it, it is kind of wild to think, you know, you're you're made it to the Euro Tour now and, and things seem to go be going great and we'll see you at Royal St. George's this year. And But yeah. there's there's been 20 years kind of between the uh, – you know, between that story and where we are now. So I'd love to kind of hear about some of the, the humps and bumps and, and ups and downs from, from kind of 13 to, to 33 here. Oh, man, I mean, there we go, a long time. I've uh, I've lived a few lives, you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> golf saved me from, you know, from going down uh, the wrong path a few times. And from losing my mum, you know, I got to, I just practised and practised. And there was a guy at the golf club who was the, who was the best golfer. And all I wanted to do was play with him on a Saturday. We had Saturday comps. All I wanted to do was play with him. And they were like, anyway, I put my name down once with him. And uh, I went out and played golf. And I, I used to get a big hook. Anyway, I played the round of golf. And I was like, I come off and I was like, what do you think of that? Like, because I played really well. And he went, you shit. He said, you, you won't get nowhere there. <laughs> he said, you won't get nowhere hitting that big hook. So I was like, I got really mad, and I went, so I went straight to the practice ground, and for like a month I was just carving divots out of the practice ground, get, trying to get the ball to go that way naturally. Anyway, I played with him a, a, a month later, and I hit everything with a fade, and I like walked off a bit cockily, and I like, what are you thinking about now? Then yeah, and they were like, you hit your putts too hard, and I'm like, that's <laughs> just like get lost, mate. But you know what? From that young age there, he installed something in me that later on, like a year later, he said to me, he said, I did that for a reason. He was an older guy. He said, I did that for a reason because I wanted to see what type of person you are. Because most most lads would have gone, I give, you know, forget it. And But I said, you went and worked and worked and worked to change it. And he said, and then what he did is he used to set me on the golf course, show me a lot of shots. And that was that was pretty wicked, um, you know. And that's how we really, that's how we really got serious because I won my little county championship as a boy, and then um, I wasn't really good as an amateur. I didn't really do much as an amateur, you know. I'm uh, I played for my my county in Lancashire, then I played for Yorkshire, which is like a bit forbidden that you go, you know, two counties. <laughs> It'd be like playing for one state and then you know going to the mm. other state and. From there, I turned pro in 2008. Uh, I just always wanted to be a professional. So I turned pro, started off playing mini tours, like one-day events, and just, you know, I was just burning it up. I was, you know, winning everything. And then 2010, I got uh, I got injured. I went to a place called Go8. And it's like zip lines and climbing face through woods. And I landed funny and tore my left shoulder. Um, I didn't know it was that bad at the time, but I, couldn't, I was out for about three or four months. And um, I've always been in touch with like a, I don't want to say darker side, just a, a bit rougher side of you know of life, like you know, like like going out drinking and all that. I've always been in touch with with people like that, and you know, and I mean there were drugs and there were all sorts involved in it, but I've always been in touch with it. And when I stopped playing golf, I was like, how do I get through life here? And I basically had a few friends, and we went down the path. I made a lot of money in a short period of time. 
but it just was not the life. I wasn't built that way, you know. Them lads that, that do that and, you know, they're, they're caught in the trap, they're built differently to me. And I went down a path that were, a lot of people could judge me for it, you know, the, the path that I went down. But, it, you know, it moulded who I am today. I think that I went off track and I did, I did eventually, I got addicted to drugs. Um, but at the end of the day, I think it was a later, I think it was grievance later on in my career. You know, I think golf had put the grievance off of my mum for so long. And then when I stopped golf, it all of a sudden hit me. And then I went down a path. Um, I mean, there were only light drugs that I got addicted to. It wasn't anything heavy, you know, I want. But yeah, and then I think I lost my driving license through it. I got, you know, a DUI um, in 2013. And at that point, my dad said to me, right, this is it. We're back to square one. Uh, my dad stuck by me the old time, absolutely incredible guy, you know. Um, and anyway, he started taking me to the golf club again, eight o'clock in the morning, six o'clock at night. I had no car, nothing, just practice. And I practiced my way out of it. In 2013, I come back out on the mini tours and started burning it up again. And then I went to, there's a, there's a tour called the Euro Pro Tour in England. So one of the challenges, so it's like, um, there's three day events, but it's just a bit bigger than the, than the little one dayers. And basically I went and slept in a tent that week, that year in the middle of March, it was like, like two degrees. Like, so me and my dad slept in this tent. We had no money, proper broke. Cause my dad had lost his business and everything. We were, we're, and I just thought if I can just get a card, I can then approach some people and say, Oh, do you want to send me to, to this tournament for a bit of money? And anyway, one of my best mates said, listen, I'll do your deal. I'll send you there. I don't want 50% of your winnings. I'll pay for everything. So I got my card and he sent me to this tournament halfway through the year. And I was just going to see, and because it was a big step up, I was just going to go and feel and see how, you know, how good are these guys, you know? And I, I went and won the event. And uh, and I was like, okay, this is getting a bit serious now. We, You know, you, you're showing potential. And yeah, and then I went to Challenge Tour, which is obviously the one under the European, and I and I finished eighth there in the first Challenge Tour event. And it just like it snowballed a little bit, um, and then like all golfers, at the end of 2013, I've had the best year of my career, and I decided to change everything. I thought, right, I'm going to lose five stone in weight. I'm going to come out like you know like Hulk Hogan next next year. I'm going to look incredible. <laughs> I come out like Hulk Hogan, but unfortunately, I hit the golf ball like Hulk Hogan as well. So, I, uh, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I had a bit of a bit of a bad season in uh, 2014, but I changed a lot, and and it just took time to get through it. 2015, then, you know, we started up on Euro Pro again. I won two times that year and got onto the Challenge Tour, and then. Challenge store again. I, I I got you know I had a management group that come in. I didn't know what I was doing. I had no money. I were on the building sites, you know, concrete grinding. Which like you got a hand grinder and you're on the floor and you're like that on concrete all day and you're like, <laughs> I'm like this is really going to do me short game and me touch some good. You know all this vibrations through my body. <laughs> but you know I got on challenge store. The management group shafted me a little bit. And and that cost me a lot, a lot of money. Um, but yeah, I mean, I got on tour. I got on tour through Challenge Tour. I won in China. Like that were, that were out of the blue. Uh, I was just like, I've had such a bad season. Nike had stopped, um, stopped making golf clubs. So I thought, do you know what? I'll do the change now, and hopefully it'll change the season. 
and it did. I changed all my golf clubs, got a little bit of confidence, won on Challenge Tour, and then uh, next minute I'm pegging it up in Hong Kong on the European Tour, you know, next to Justin Rose, and uh, yeah, it was just uh, pretty wicked. He, um, he just snowballed really fast, and I always remember meeting Justin Rose on the practice putting green, and he had his gold medal with him. And I said, oh, it's pretty cool, that, and I, I went to bite it. I said, oh, it's got chocolate, is it? <laughs> I said, it's got a chocolate kind, is it? And it's like, the look he gave me, we're like, who is this kid here? <laughs> what is he doing? But, um, but yeah, then I had my first season just taking pictures with all the tour pros on the, on the European tour that first year. Just acted the absolute clown for the year, and, um, and no wonder that I lost my card, but I mean, yeah, that's that's it up until then. It's uh, it's a it's a mad story. That that's a lot of different lifetimes, like like you said. Uh, I oh, got yeah. I, I want to. There's a lot to unpack from what you just said. But what's it like? I mean, paint the picture of like sleeping on on your first professional, you know, win. Sleeping on the lead in a tent with your dad. I, was there? I can't imagine there was too many other players in that same spot at that tournament. Yeah, no. The, the, well, the tent was actually at the tall school, so we didn't. We, we, I actually, the reason that I give 50% to my mate is so that he put me in an hotel, but that was after the tall school. But Got you know, it. Okay. I mean, there were nobody in the middle of March down in Oxford. There were nobody sleeping in the tent that week. And I had a good friend, Alex Bell, and I'd been for a lesson to the same guy as him a few days before. And I got on the first hole, pulled my bushnell out, and 40 quid fell out of the 40. 40 pounds fell out of the, the Bushnell box and he, and he messaged me, my best mate, and he said, listen, if you spend that on something decent, you deserve to do well. If you spend it on cigarettes, I hope you get in the car and you're coming home missing the cut. He said, be wise, you know. And I went and me and my dad went and bought two quilts from a department store and we got some sleep. And I think the first round I shot about 75. I found the money on the first round. And then we went and bought two quilts. I got some really good sleep. And we ended up shooting 66, 66 to get my card or something. And it was like, my dad woke up one morning and he had a frog in his part of the tent. Like, I'm like, what have you been doing with that frog? In? <laughs> and yeah, the frog were lifeless. I think he rolled over on it in the night. And it was just, just crazy times. But, you know, it's molded me. So, yeah. So going back, like, we- I think in the lead up to 2013, were you always self-taught? Had you worked with anybody as far as an instructor or were you always self-taught? And then in 2014, when you decided to, to change anything or change everything, were you just trying to pick up distance? What were you trying to change? Well, no, yeah. I, I mean, I, I've always been, I've always had my own ideas about the golf swing and how I want it to look and how I, you know, I always had this, this image as a kid that and I, as you get older, you learn, it's not simple, but I always thought if you got an axle on a car or, you know, just a, just a, a straight thing through your spine, got a wheel, put 100 club heads on a wheel and just spun the wheel. I just imagined that, that, that you know, it just keep going around and it hit it consistently every time. As you get more knowledge about a game, you need, you know, you need, you need, you need lateral forces and, you know, you need different movements in there to make it work. But yeah, I mean, I'm pretty much self-taught. I, I mean, I had tips off really good players. I had, you know, I had a few lessons, odd lessons here and there, but I never really stuck with anybody because, you know, I always had my own ideas and if it didn't fit into how I wanted it, then I'd be like, oh, well, I'll have an odd lesson here and there. And I pretty much got to plus one uh, handicap 
like on my own, uh, you know, and, and doing it myself. Obviously, when you get county coaching, that's, um, you know, I, I picked up little things there, but I spent most of my time arguing with all the coaches, you know, over their views on it and my views. And I'm pretty outspoken. I thought if, if I thought something, I'd tell them, I'd, you know, if I thought they were talking shit, I'd just say, I don't like that. I'm not doing it. And they, you know, then they'd make me run around the practice ground and have a I was blowing out my ass and I'd be like, <laughs> get me old, you know. But um, no, yeah, I've, I've pretty much always had the, the, the own idea of it. In 2013, I met a guy um, through my friend who he pretty much changed everything. He changed the old swing. He gave me a lot of knowledge. I mean, unfortunately, we don't talk anymore. Um, we don't speak. Uh, we have a bit of a falling out, but it did change and teach me a lot of stuff that I still keep today. And that's how it really, really changed me. I changed from being a good one-day, two-day player to then start turning into like a three-day and then four-day player. So um, I think there's a massive difference. Anybody can go out and shoot shoot the lights out for one round, but when you start getting better and, and, and you know, you, you start shooting the lights out for three and four rounds, so... All right, friends, just a quick break in the action to talk to you about our friends at Golf Blueprint. Uh, I made some strides. I'm not going to lie. I made some strides in my golf game the last year. I think my handicap got down to about its lowest uh, probably since high school, and that was in large part due to working with the guys, Kevin and Nico, at Golf Blueprint and getting some semblance of a plan dialed in for my practice. Before you get too worried here, this really wasn't even that much practice. It was just a matter of being a lot more concentrated and, and intentional when I actually did take the time to practice. If you're listening to this, I'm going to guess you're probably not getting the most out of your golf game that you possibly could be. And usually that's for one of three reasons. Either you don't have a plan, you're you're kind of just running around aimlessly, you're putting too much emphasis on your most recent round, or you are totally misjudging the areas of your game that need the most work. That's exactly where Golf Blueprint comes in. Uh, they work directly with you to figure out what those areas are and come up with essentially a personal training program on how to fix them. For me, that was a lot of wedge work. I already drive it pretty poorly. So when I was making a lot of bogeys from the middle of the fairway with wedge in hand, uh, that was a good way to just add salt to the wounds. Uh, so we got a lot of that cleaned up. Now I think next is is going to be onto the driver. Uh, we got some work to do there. But anyways, visit golfblueprint.com for all the info you need on how to get started. You know, just just cleaning it up. Just just tighten it up a little bit this year. And anyways, back to the bullet. Going back a little bit to when you when you first left school. I mean, I know in in the states here the the plan is usually, you know, you you finish high school, you go play in college and then you go play professional golf. I mean, when you're 13 years old and and you leave school and, you know, you're you're not going to go to college, you're not going to do any of those things. I mean, did you always want to, was it professional golf? That was the goal or, or what else was kind of in your mind? Yeah. There's, um, there's two, there's two ways through life for me. And that's, uh, that's golf. I'll be a road man. And I don't want to be a road man. I've done that. I don't want to be a road man. So, um, yeah, I mean, ever from, you know, my dad were a grafter. He worked on markets and stuff like that. So, you know, it, it was just always, yeah, it was just always golf. It was like, yeah, just there were not there's no other option. There were no other option. It's like I'm not in I'm switched on, you know what I mean? I'm 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 but I'm not I'm not intelligent enough to go and be an accountant or a, or a banker or do you know what I mean? So at the age of 30, I don't know how my dad did it and not and didn't end up getting jail time. Uh because everybody's like, how did you do? You know, but I just all I could think about were golf. 
Like, and the thing is, if I went and sat in a classroom, all I could think about was my mum dying. So I'd sit in the classroom, I'd just fixate on my mum dying. Whereas when I were on a practice ground, I'd fixate on getting that golf ball to go arrow straight. So it's like, it's, it, it, it's giving someone who's gone through trauma, it's giving them a focus, is the best thing you can do because it's, it, you know, you're taking the mind off the trauma. You know what I mean? And yeah, you know, you'll get people who say it's the wrong way to do it. I've still got it. I'll still have issues here and there. But, you know, that was my coping mechanism. I mean, I'd noticed that straight away. And he supported me 100% with it. Who are your best friends out there on tour now? I like hanging around with Tommy Fleetwood. Um, I mean, obviously, he's, he's, he's a bit higher in the world rankings than me, so he gets to go to all the cool tournaments whilst I'm slugging it around a few few smaller events. But yeah, every time you know, I see him, we played Lancashire Boys stuff together, so we've, I've known him since he was like 12, 13, and he's never changed. He's an absolute awesome guy. And so yeah, if I was to go and spend a bit of time out there, it'd be... Um, you know what choice would be with Tommy you know we, we have laughed about you know a bit of sponsorship and I offered him a spot here for uh, the Tommy Fleetwood Academy he, he said he might give me <laughs> 10 grand for it so I still get the contract drawn up <laughs> that'd be pretty funny I texted I texted Finno about you I was like hey anything I gotta ask him he's like oh man I love I love that lad mate <laughs> so. yeah, yeah yeah he's a good lad Finno he's, he's hard to work out how to he's he's, he's um, his accent is it's even me knowing him for a while. It's hard for me to understand Finno sometimes. It's like, what is it? What have you just said? But yeah, he's a top. He's a top guy, really down to earth, and and they're a great team. Yeah, a great team. Well, so not to keep bringing up you know negative stuff, but in reading and and feel free to to fact correct any of this stuff. But in reading, even kind of once the Challenge Tour stuff took off and. And the Euro Tour stuff took off. It sounded like maybe there were even some kind of money and credit card issues and stuff like that after after that. I mean, I'm curious if you could speak to that and just what those first few years of success were like. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I've gone from having nothing to earning 80-odd thousand in China. And then you get on tour, you get a few full contracts with Wilson and... You know, and, and all of a sudden you, you, you make a cut and you, you don't feel like you've played that well and you, you get 20 grand in your pocket. And I had nobody guiding me. I had, you know, I was just like, I'll oh, just spend it, you know, on useless stuff, you know, buy a watch here, buy a watch there. And it's like just silly stuff. And I didn't ever plan, you know, well, to be fair, I was just, I was just left to my own devices. I was just, I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I didn't think about tax or anything like that, and uh, and I lost I lost my card because I didn't I didn't actually feel like I belonged. I actually I got there and I were like, I don't belong. You're here once, just enjoy the year. You know, you'd be lucky to get on here again. And it was just a mental, you know, you know, mindset. I I should have just been on there and thought I belong here, but I didn't. I just I just didn't feel like I belonged. I felt like I wasn't good enough. Um, so I just treat it as a big holiday. You know, I can remember Kranz Montana 2017. I got engaged to my missus. I think I spent that week 16,000 quid on, on, on the ring. On the, I got a hotel that was like £500 a night. I like, and I think I won 26,000 euros. And after all the taxing that, I broke even. <laughs> oh, oh it was a great week, though. We had a ball, you know. But... Um, <laughs> You know, I found myself, I lost my card on tour 
And the, the way that I started to lose money is I played, I got, I qualified for the Open in 2018. Um, and a week before I went to the Open, I went to this thing called uh, sky, sky, indoor skydiving. And I've already done a tandem skydive from 12,000 feet. So I don't know why I went to this indoor skydiving. I went with my <laughs> missus and her sister. Anyway, we went in. I was trying to, and I didn't know that I'd had a minor dislocation in the left shoulder. So when they said, oh, have you had any issues with your shoulders? I was like, well, I've had a niggle. I didn't really know what it was. And I just went, oh, cool, we'll just, we'll just do it. And I went in. I can remember watching the clock, and you obviously you're in that position. And I, and I, I can remember watching the clock, you had 30 seconds in there. And I was like, I started off, it was all right. And then I started to get uncomfortable. I looked at the clock, and it said 17 seconds. And I just felt my arm pop clean out of its socket. And I just fell to the ground. Anyway, it was dislocated for two and a half hours because I didn't know the move to pop it back in. Yeah, I mean, I dislocated it. Every, and they just said, listen, you ain't playing again this season. Like, and I went, no, I've got the open in a week's time. I've got to get to, I've got to get to Carnoustie. I'm, I'm pegging it up there with Tiger next week. There's no way I'm missing that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Tiger's coming over, you know, every, Rory's going to be there. And I just, um, Anyway, I just went, I just rehabilitated it like a madman. And I only had half a golf swing that week. In fact, I stood on the, I stood on the practice, on the first team with Finno, uh, Tommy and Rory. And I did this half a swing off the first team, like with driver. And Rory's there, he's bombed it like 3.30 down the middle. <laughs> Tommy bombed it down there. And I've given it this little, this little like chippy driver. Finno's looked at me and he's gone, what the, with that? And I've come, I said, mate, my shoulder, I can't, I can't. He said, no, he thought, I'm sure he thinks that I, you know, I got paid to do it. But no, I'd like, <laughs> and I was just, and I played the open with half a goal swing. Luckily it was burnt out, so it was rock hard, the, the ground, so I could get a bit of chase on it, you know, like <laughs> bunting it round. But um yeah, I mean, so I disagree. So that would like that would the start of my credit card and 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 you know my debt, my debts because uh, obviously I missed the cut there, and then I tried to play the rest of the year because I didn't have any money. It cost me a lot of money to get out of the contract with the management, so that burnt all my money. Just bad advice. Just got bad advice, and I got you know I got scorned. And uh, but yeah, so then I got to 2019 season and. I just, I, and someone said to me, oh, you just want to get a load of credit cards and, you know, just play on the credit cards. And when you win the money, you pay the credit cards off. If you don't win, if you don't win the money, you just go bankrupt, tell them all to get stuff. So we're like, I thought that sounds pretty wicked to me. That. <laughs> Are you sponsored by American Express? <laughs> so, <laughs> so I played that year and yeah, it didn't go well. It didn't go well. I, uh, I couldn't handle the pressure. At this point, I'd left the coach that I'd been with for years since 2013. I got tried to go down another path. Um, I, I've, there's a, I've got a coach, Duncan McCarthy, who's a psychologist that I've been on and off with for 10 years. And I'd left him. I was just on my own. I, we'd just bought a house, me and my missus. So I had the pressure of trying to help her with her business. You know, she had a business that was supporting the house. And I was trying to help her. You know what I mean? And 
it was just a toxic year. And, you know, I got to the end and I took a loan out. I, I rung the bank and I said to the bank, I said, listen, I need a track man to, to move forward. They give me a loan. I didn't buy a track man. I bought I bought entry into European tour school. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I got a professional caddy. And like, yeah, it's a good track man that, you know. Um, but yeah, I uh, <laughs> I got a professional caddy, my old caddy that I had a good run with in 2017. And we went and I got a European tour car. And, you, you know, and I was still skin. I was still no money, 100 grand in debt. And I was like, right, okay, at least I've got a chance. I've got a European tour card. Went to South Africa, the first one. Robert Rock, a guy on the tour, he paid for my flights, you know, because I had no money. He paid for my flights. And my other mate gave me some money for some hotels. I had a decent finish. I, I won like 8,000 euros in Leopard Creek in 2019. And I was like, a bit of money. And I was like, I felt great. I know it was not much money. I'd been up there and I'd lost it on the last day. But And then over Christmas period, I met two guys from the golf club that just said, listen, we want to help you out. And they come with a sum of money for a percentage of my winnings. Fantastic guys. And um, and yeah, and then I went to South Africa, no money worries, no issues, and uh, just the 100 grand in debt. But I thought, well, I'll just go bankrupt if, if it all goes fair shape for me. And I, uh, I finished third in South Africa. Yeah, and then it just it just took off. Then was your first order of business after finishing third? Were you like, I'm paying I'm paying off these credit cards first and foremost, and then starting clean from there? Or were you just? Yeah, I mean, I, I started to play. I, I paid off the credit cards, you know, bits of time, and that it, to be fair, it's a good feeling. You know, a lot of people go, "Oh, you got all that money in you." You have to give it all away, but it's actually a really good feeling that you've, you know, you've earned, you've earned your way out of the credit cards, you know. And it's only till, it's only recently that I've cleared everything off because there are a few issues with other stuff. And you know, and when I got debt free, I think it was a week before Cyprus last year, and uh, I got debt free, and it was just a great feeling, you know, because um, then it's like right, right now, well, now I've got, I can start stacking money up for myself. And never go back to that position. But yeah, I did. I played my credit cards off as soon as I could. Yeah. It's always interesting to me when you hear professional golfers talk about their teams and all these people around them. I, I feel like you start to kind of roll your eyes at, at some point. But it's it's really interesting to hear a story like this and just how much of an impact like the right people around you can can make on somebody, you know, and, yeah. and getting stuff back on track. Yeah, it's, it is important. They do play a massive part. You know, a lot of I've obviously, I've had Duncan, who's my psychologist slash performance coach for, for years on and off, you know, and, you know, we've fallen out, we've got back together, but I've always had a lot of success with him. And then, you know, like swing coaches, I had Anthony, she, he was, you know, on and off for a long time, who taught me a lot. And, you know, and now I've moved coach to a guy called Liam James, who um, teaches a guy called Matt Wallace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So he's actually he's he's under he's with Robert Rock. He he does like he, he you know he started out with him. Um, but yeah, I mean you know when you're having downtime, but you, you do need someone there to talk to. You know you can't do it on your own. It's uh, and I think more and more these days. I mean I was just having a conversation with Duncan before this, um, and we're like starting to do stat statistics because obviously I'm tri- chasing the top fifty in the world. And then eventually, you know, the top 10 and then top three and so on. 
like so there's a few changes having to make doing statistics to see where I'm weak and where I'm, I'm good and it's quite a scary thing because I said to him I said I didn't need all this when I were you know when I was just battling my way through I said but I said to get to the next level you, you kind of need this but it could go the other way it could go peak tongue and I could uh, I could end up you know going downhill but you know the, the the team, the teams, and I said, I mean, Neve, my manager, um, she, she, she's never done managing before, but she's very switched on with business and she used to be out on tour doing all the stats, um, you know, and so she knows the tour, she knows everything about it and she's been amazing for me. She, she's the one that, you know, organised everything and got me out of debt and, you know, and just, just aligned everything up, you know, to and she's aligned me on the business side of it up so I can just focus on the golf. And I think that's what a lot of people don't, when people roll their eyes at teams, they don't see that we're just golfers. We're not business people and we're not business runners. We're just, we're just golfers. So we need a team to look after all the, you know, all the crazy stuff that goes on, you know, like sponsorship and tax and all that, you know, and so we can just focus on being the best we can on the golf course. Well, you're, you're not business people, but you're also not psychiatrists, right? I mean, I'm, I'm curious what you're, you know, when you talk about having a mental coach, what are maybe one or two things that you guys are really focused on working on? Well, it's, it's one of them, you know, um, I, I, I have triggers for stuff. So I'll, you know, um, like the mental side, it, you know, to be fair on the golf course, I'm pretty good. At, I don't really need any. If I see some water on the left, I, automatically everybody's thought is don't go over there. Well, that's all right. That's a normal thought. It's like, right, okay, I don't want to go over there, but, you know, I'm not going to stand there and go, there's no water there. There's no water there. It's like, <laughs> yeah, you know, water's there. It's bad. I don't want to be in there, but I can't, I've, I'm, I'm, I've chose to do this for a living. So you either grow a pair of balls and hit it down next to the water or just go home now because you're not, you know, you chose this for a living. So I'm going to stand on, you know, all these amazing golf holes that have like the 18 foot sawgrass and stuff like that in the players championship leading the tournament stood on there you're like you can't avoid what you're looking at you know it's um so it, but then what you've got to do is you've just got to remind yourself i chose this as a job this is what i chose to do so i've chose if i stand on the 18 foot sawgrass with a lead and i'm thinking that's a lot of water well i've chose to do this for a job so you know, you've asked, you've asked for it. So don't complain about it when you get on the tee and think, oh, no, if I eat it in there, make a triple, I'll look like a right two. Well, everybody thinks that, you know, and you've just got to deal with it and, and, and just get on with it. It's it's as simple as that. It's, yeah, I don't stand on there and try and block thoughts out. I almost embrace thoughts, you know, and, 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 and move on and just try and deal with it because it's what I've chose to do. Going back to the open at Carnoustie, I see you shot 80 in the first round and then you followed it up with a 69 in the second round. How the, how the hell did you shoot 69 <laughs> in the second round with a, with a dislocated yeah, shoulder? I know, yeah. I mean, I put in, I was like John Spieth in his A-day, you know, on, them, on the greens. I was just like rolling them in from everywhere. And I just, I think I calmed down. I was gutted the first day. I was really, I was, I was really upset, really gutted because I was like, I can compete here. I can compete against all of these. And I just wasn't able with my shoulder. And the second day, I think I just got over that a little bit. I had a tea time at four, around 4 p.m. in the afternoon, which meant, actually, I really like that tea time. 
because I got up in the morning, watched a bit of golf, went back to sleep, and then got up and I were I were I were perfect. Um, and it, the course had quietened down a little bit, and I just think I just got over that first day. And the second day, I just I just plodded it round, you know, and chipped and putted it really well, and 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 that's how I, that's how I, I shot sixty nine. But yeah, I can remember. I think I had twenty one putts that day, so yeah, <laughs> pretty cool. Yeah, that yeah, that helps. Yeah. Time. 21 putts. <laughs> well, so you're you're going back to the Open uh, this coming year, right, at, at Royal St. George's. So was that was it an Open qualifying series that must have gotten you in? I, I saw that, in South Africa. Right. So I saw that putt and the fist pump that you you yeah. let out when you made that. What what was that moment like for you? Yeah, I mean that's my, that's my that's my most awesome feeling I've had in golf. That I mean, ever ever since feeling that, I've I've wanted to chase that feeling again. That's all I want. And I had the feeling actually again in Cyprus this year, but I'll come back to that. But um, yeah, I mean, I was coming up the 18th and I knew that I had to make, I hit a five iron into like 12 foot. And I knew I had to make a three to get into the open. I just knew it had to go in. I thought it was missing right. And it went in and I was just like, I mean, my caddy started umping me. He were a local caddy from <laughs> South Africa. I was like, Jesus, you know. You're going to get a locked up here for something. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, just the just the emotion and and everything. I can imagine that that's what it's like to win on the tour, you know, in a tight knit situation. And I just want that feeling every time I go and play golf. What was you mentioned Cyprus having a similar feeling? What what was that story? Yeah, I mean, so yeah, so Cyprus, I were in contention with a Cyprus shootout the week before. I were in contention. I was doing okay, and I hit it in the water on the par five last made a double so coming down the stretch I, I just made like two birdies or three birdies on the spin and it was like a, so basically the format the they had three rounds and then they cancelled all the scores and they had like 16 players and it was just like a one one round shootout uh bobby mcintyre won it actually um but i just made three birdies on the spin i was like four under coming down the last i've hit it in the right in the right semi and it were a flyer lie over water, out of bounds over the green. And I just said to me, me and I had a mate caddying for me, just 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 a mate who's a good player, plays on challenge tour. And I just said, so I'm gonna hold it. So you're not missing the old make a two on the 18. Like, you know, we've won the event. And they're like, <laughs> and he's like, I think we should just hit it down the left and like try and pitch it up. And I'm like, yeah, but if I hit one shot and get it in the hole. We're done. And he's like, <laughs> you, you, you know, you're mad. Um, anyway, we're trying to make Eagle at worst. And I got there and I said, I talked to him into his shot. I said, oh, I said, I'm just going to hit a little, a little chip cut six iron from 190. I like, didn't take the flyer into consideration, the adrenaline. I didn't take any of that into consideration. So I'm just going to chip cut a six iron just off that and he's like all right yeah yeah and he's seen me do it loads of times and I hit this thing and it come out I mean this six iron must have gone 240 <laughs> it's gone I, I, I think it ended up in the in the hotel at the back of the green or something but anyway I'm like oh can't believe it don't know where it's gone it's still in the air and I'm saying has it landed yet and I'm like anyway we dropped another one went down a club, hit it within about 10 seconds, and that come out even hotter. So I'm like, oh, no. That one went out of bounds. So then I've gone down to like a 9-9 from one, one, 190. And um, 
Anyway, got it in the back bunker, made whatever. Finished just outside the top 10. I'm gutted. And, but yeah, I watched the footage afterwards and it showed the highlight on my little chip cut six iron, you know, that was supposed to be like a shoulder-to-shoulder six iron. I ate it like Bryson off the tee. I mean, I <laughs> spun this close, like, so fast. I like, no wonder it's gone 240 through the air. I, um, but, you know, I learned a lot from that. And, you know, it's, uh, but it's a great feeling. When you're in that buzzing feeling and you've got, you've got, a, got a chance, it's, a lot of people don't like it, you know, and, and, and they, they fold under it. But I just see it as, it's just like energy, really. It's, it, you know, and can you control the energy that you've got running, pumping through you? And if you can, then I think that's what makes champions. And, and I learned a lot. What was uh, what was your biggest lesson from Carnoustie? My biggest lesson: don't whack the practice, don't whack the ball into Tiger on the practice putting green. He didn't like it, and you know, I, thought, <laughs> I was just like, you know, just putting around the green. I thought, oh, Tiger, there, whack! It is shoe, and he's just giving the biggest stare you've ever seen. But, <laughs> but um, no, my biggest lesson, my biggest lesson from Carnoustie was practice. You know, try and play with the biggest name you can in practice. Because when, when I was going around with Rory, obviously everybody's screaming, Rory, Rory, Rory. You get a bit of that with Tommy. But it's almost like if you hear that, if you hear people chanting at Rory in the practice round, it gets you ready for the first tee shot where all the eyes are on you. So like, I think that was my biggest lesson to try and play the practice rounds with the biggest names possible. So at St. George's this next year, I'm going I'm to have a go and try and get on there with Tiger. Well, I know I I read another story about uh, when you met him in Dubai. Is that right? the first time you oh, met him? Yeah. What what was that story? Oh, yeah. So I've got to. It's a funny story. I'm playing a practice round, and I'm I think I'm with Darren Clark, Robert Rock, and Sam Walker, and um, we're on the eighth tee in Dubai. And I think Sam Walker said to me, "That's Joel Carver there," and I'm like, "No." It isn't. You're winding me up because they always wind me up because I'm 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 a golf perv. I love golf, so it's like I'm like he's like that's John McCarver, and I'm like no it ain't, no it ain't. and he's like and I went fucking hell it's John McCarver, and I'm like <laughs> so I'm like straight over I'm like Joe Joe how are you pal I'm Mark Santis and he's like he's looking at me like who is this crazy Englishman like you know he said I know you you're you're the bullet <laughs> yeah now, this is this is just about when the bullet were coming out so I'm like Joe I said. When's Big T coming, mate? I said, when's he arriving? Where's he going to be? I said, he's like, he's like, I can't get rid of this kid, you know. I said, just tell me when he's going to be here. I'll be there. If you'll introduce me to him, it'd be great. You know, and he's like, yeah, man, I'll introduce you. And I'm like, oh, and I'm just so excited. I just, after nine holes, I went in the clubhouse and sat and waited for Tiger. Right? So, anyway, Tiger had come. He's hitting balls. Graham Storm in balls next to him. So I said to Graham, I said, have you finished hitting balls? I said, I'm going to go and hit balls next to Tiger. So <laughs> like, he's, like, he's like, yeah, you can have my spot on the range. So I flew down to the range, threw these balls down. I think, you know, I threw them into Tiger's feet. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, and I'm like, just clipping balls off the back of his heel. And I'm like, this is awesome, you know. He's been up since two o'clock in the morning on a flight over from, you know, from Florida. And I'm there, this young lad. Well, not, I'm not even that young. I'm like, just acting young, you know. Um, and I'm just clipping balls. And I'm absolutely fizzing it because I'm buzzing. I'm like, as, as high as you can get. 
And uh, and then I just had a little chat with him, yeah, just, you know, and uh, it, it was pretty cool, actually. You know, I mean, it, 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 I don't think, I think he felt forced to talk to me because of the 50 cameras that were on him. But, uh, but you know, it was just, it was awesome to just meet him. And uh, I've actually, I've got the T-shirt. I put a Nike T-shirt on because I knew we were arriving that Tuesday, a red Nike T-shirt. And I've got him to, I got him to sign it on my, on my chest here. So, like, yeah, I've, I've, I'm getting that frame soon with the pictures of me and Tiger. So that's, that was pretty cool. That's awesome. Which tournament are you most looking forward to this year? Like, what what's your schedule going to look like for the year? And and do you head to the Middle East to to kind of warm up and really really get things into gear? Because I know in uh, England everything's kind of locked down right now, right? Yeah. So I'm flying out next Monday to to Dubai to do some preseason uh, preparation, and I've got the Qatar, and then down to Kenya. I haven't obviously it goes off my category. So mm-hmm. the biggest event I've got this year is the Open. Because I keep that from last year, so I'm, that's the one I'm most looking forward to trying to prepare everything for. But you know, funny, I did my golf schedule the other day, and I did three schedules. You know, I did I did an orange schedule, which is if I win early. So if I can win early, the orange, and if I win early and get in the U.S. Open, then I've, I've built a schedule around that. And then I've done a green schedule that's if I don't win, but then I get in a couple of bigger events like the Rolex. Um, I'll you know position my, my tournaments around that and then I've got a pink schedule which is last resort it's all the small ones but you know hopefully I can you know get get on that orange schedule and, and get to the US Open as well I mean I think if I didn't qualify for US Open I think that you know would take over would take over where in the Open but I mean yeah I mean oh, right now the Open's the biggest one and that's the one that I'm most looking forward to hopefully we can get some fans there as well That'd be because uh, I, I I don't think an open an open without any fans. For uh for someone who's never seen you play, how how would you describe your game? What are you know you mentioned going into the analytics and and figuring out your strengths and weaknesses? I'm curious what the strengths and weaknesses are. I'm absolutely I, I just flush it, but I just don't know where it's going to go. Like <laughs> so, so I'd say the ball strike is probably the strongest part, but uh, if we can just get it a bit more. A bit more tighter off it with everything, then um, that'd be cool. But I mean, I love, I love, I love short game. I love, you know, you could give me a lob wedge and I'll walk around a chipping green. I'll go out on the course chipping all day long. I just absolutely love it. Um, but yeah, no, no, I'd say the ball strike is probably my my my, um, my strength in the game. Um, I think putting. I think everyone can get better at putting, but I'm a very streaky putter. So Abu Dhabi this year. The first two rounds are in the top 15. The last two rounds are outside the, you know, top 100. So it's like, if we can get a bit more, you know, it's only a shot. If we can get a shot better at that a week or, or two, then it's, I think it makes a massive gain over the year. I have one more. Uh, you know, you mentioned you mentioned Kenya being on the schedule and you seem like someone who's probably traveled to some pretty wild places to play golf. I'm curious if you could leave us with uh, maybe your your best travel story or two. When you go down to South Africa, you know you go out on the safari, and I and everybody knows on tour. Everybody, I've got a massive bladder problem, so I go to the toilet like every every twenty minutes, thirty minutes. I'm I'm off to the toilet, and you know anyway, we went on this safari and we're out there with Laurie Cantor, and and you know we twenty, you're out there for hours. So like we got 20 minutes in, I said, listen, I, I need to get out here. And I got out and, and everyone's like, they're, they're all nervous. You know, the, the guy's out there with a gun. Anyway, you know, I, 
I must have done it about five times, but but one of the times I uh, I got out of the car, we literally got back in the car and we went around the corner like 50 yards and a massive rhino there and I'm like, oh Jesus, good job he wasn't he want looking at the bullet when I uh, when I were out having a gypsy's kiss. We might have got a we might have got ram raided, but um, apart from that, there's not really don't really have many uh, many many great stories that gone so it's. Uh, we do we do go to a lot of crazy places, but um, but yeah, there's, there's nothing there's nothing that's really happened to me yet. I mean, I, you know, I am 33, and you know, and I think I didn't come across young because I've only been travelling like four years. So like someone said to me, "Oh, you won't make it past 40," and I'm like, "Yeah, but I've only been travelling four years. Most lads have been travelling since they were 20. So I'm actually I'm I'm nine years younger than what than what right." Well, hopefully, no more, no more sleeping in tents, and hopefully, all the wild stories are are behind you. It's it's much more comfortable from here on yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the the on the road stories. There, uh, I don't think they're for the public to hear. But if, if I ever meet you, I might throw you a few stories of my uh, <laughs> of my few years that I had out of the game, and I uh, yeah, I've got some, I've got some uh, some life experiences there that. Uh, that, yeah, that, that actually helped me coming down the stretch because I think, well, if I got through that life experience there, you know, coming down here and hitting a few golf balls, it's nothing compared to that. But I'll let you guys know about that when I see you first. Sounds that's good. It. Yeah, well, whenever whenever you're standing on that 18th tee at Sawgrass, that, that's right down the road from us. So we'll, we'll catch those stories right, from you then. Yeah. yeah. We liked your yeah. spoon story too. The the one... Uh, uh, oh, sorry? The spoon story. On, you, you, on Instagram. Yeah. You... The spoon. Yeah, the spoon. Your you, uh, fellow player was was in the. You were in player dining. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh no, yeah, that that way. He was dressed just like the waiter, and I was like, and I just said, uh, yeah, I, I obviously it's my first year on tour, and I don't know who the guy is. Uh, I'm like, you know, I said, yeah, Matt, I said, have you got any spoons? And he's like, looks at me, and I'm like. Spoons, <laughs> you know, spoons. Where are the spoons? Is like, I don't work here, mate. I don't. I'm like, oh, no. yeah. I'm, I'm quite thankful that that player isn't out on tour anymore because it were a bit sticky that situation. But. Well, thank you for uh, thank you for the time. Thanks for the story. It's an awesome, awesome story that I think people will, you know, probably haven't heard enough. And and so appreciate you taking the yeah, time. Yeah, no worries. No, you know, anytime. You know, you know, if you ever want to do it again or anything, I'll uh, more than welcome. Sounds great. Absolutely. Thanks, Marcus. Thanks, Thank man. you. Take it easy. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Expect 